Hi guys, welcome to the Try A New Frequency with Amber podcast. My name is Amber Chanel and I'll be your host. My podcast is for anyone who loves music videos and living a life of synchronicities. A focus will be on music videos from back in the day when MTV actually played music videos. My goal is to help challenge old ways of thinking, to have an open discussion about music videos and to connect it to our current reality. I live a life full of daily synchronicities and would love to have you join me on my journey. And I'll also be bringing on spiritual experts to interview. So let's have fun, listen to great music, and raise the frequency in our lives. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Try a New Frequency with Amber. Today, I'm really excited. I have a friend of mine, and I used to work for him as well for a very short stint on today. And he's with BCP Live. His name is Jake Feldman, and he's the president. So welcome, Jake. Thank you, Amber. Good to to be here. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's it's a good podcast you got going here. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. I let him pick out the song today, everyone. And he actually sent me on a venture here. Uh, We're going to be going back to 2002 uh, to Johnny Cash's Hurt. So we'll be discussing that at the end, obviously, after a short interview. He is located in Iowa, based out of Iowa. That's where I'm from. So I'm going to have him tell you a little bit about his services. So if you're in the Midwest, particularly, I think some of his services would be wonderful. Beautiful weddings and DJ services. I know that because I used to work there. So I'm going to kick it off here, Jake, and ask you to tell us a little bit about your work there at BCP Live. So because of the title and because of how the podcast is is kind of uh, oriented, I chose the song for that. I didn't choose the song necessarily for what we do for a living, which is wedding songs and wedding uh, wedding entertainment. So don't necessarily, if you're listening to this, don't necessarily come off with, yeah, we're going to play Hurt by Johnny Cash at your uh, at your at your wedding, which I said the name, the title of the song. I don't know if you wanted me to say that yet, but anyway, we're rolling on. But we do uh, about 150 weddings a year uh, in terms of DJ services and uplighting and photo booths and things. So we provide entertainment and, and decor lighting and things like that for those. Um, and then we're also in the Des Moines market in about 35 locations uh, per week for DJ Trivia and DJ Bingo. So we're around quite a bit for those. So you'll see us out at local bars and restaurants and and things, uh, you know, when you're out to eat and hey, what's that going on later on? Oh, that's bar trivia. That's what we do. uh, Part of what we do as well. Bad you couldn't branch up here to the Madison area. You'd think it's a bigger area. They don't have it. So what we do, uh, what I am is I'm like a local affiliate, which is a franchisee of DJ uh, DJ Trivia. So I think they do actually have it around Madison. I know they have it in the Fox Cities and they have it in a few different other locations, but I don't know if they do have it in Madison itself. But uh, there you go. Another another uh, opportunity for you, Amber. You can buy yourself a DJ Trivia uh, uh, affiliate ship. I need to add something more to my plate. Of course. (laughs) So I really am intrigued. Music is obviously part of my podcast, part of my spiritual awakening. And so I really thought this would be an excellent question because I'm really interested in knowing, Jake, when did you start DJing? And I guess who or what were your early influences to going into the industry? I started in high school radio when I was about 15 years old. 
And then when I was about 16, we did a, a local event, which was a fundraiser for uh, the uh, University of Iowa Children's Hospitals. So it was a dance marathon for my high school in uh, West Des Moines. And like I said, we had a radio station. So we were tasked to DJ for an hour. And then I met uh, the crew from the company that I now own. So I wanted to go into radio. And then I figured out in high school, people in radio didn't make much money. And you're more likely than not to be fired many times during your career. So then I uh, went into the mobile DJing aspect of it, which you can make more money and you can have more fun and you play private events and things. So that's kind of where I started. And influence wise, I don't know, it's just uh, girls and money. Why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, exactly. Getting into, you know, the DJing, what were some of the main challenges I guess that you started out with and how have they changed, I guess, over time? Some of the main challenges were just probably my family, not thinking that it was a valid career and asking me, you know, when I'm going to get a real job, you know, they wanted me to go to college and I did go to college and I graduated with a degree and everything like that, a bachelor's degree. But I know I still don't like the question at Thanksgiving, when am I going to get a real job, even though I made more than both of them combined last year? Right. Yeah. I, I'm debating when I'm going to go full time with my gig and <laughs> hey, hear the same question. You know, 100 hours a week is, isn't full time anymore. You know that, right? Exactly. Yeah. Do you feel that throughout the years, Jake, now we're around roughly the same age. I saw records. I mean, then we saw, let's see here. Tapes. Tapes. Yeah. CDs. And CDs. And- mp3 players podcast clearly now but do you think there's ever been a generation that has gotten to see all of this advancement uh not really unless you look at the early 1900s with like the invention of the car and things like that and like uh, the industrial revolution so that'd probably be comparable but not in terms of technology so i mean well and you look at okay say a 16 year old today doesn't know what a tape is knows what a record is because they're cool again now. So you can go and buy records. There's been more records sold in the last year than there has been the last 35 years or 30 years, something like that. So you go buy records again, but has no idea what a tape is, has no idea what an eight track is. So, you know, it's, it, the people that are our age have seen the massive technological innovation, but the people that are younger than us are like, what's that thing? Why is it weird? Why is it shiny? And I remember getting the old uh, pencil out to, fix my tape. (laughs) And those that have not had to experience that don't know the frustration, especially if you just got the tape given to you. Yeah. And if you weren't good at it, then you'd ruin your tape and you'd have to go back to Sam Goody or Walmart to get yourself another tape. Exactly. Or if you got it as a gift and you didn't have uh, some extra change sitting around, you know, from the couch, you had to wait to get the music again. So were you a new kids on the block fan, Amber? You know, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I'm glad I you asked that. that. My that. mom told me that back in the day, I used to have trading cards <laughs> that were the new kids on the block. So I was That's that fantastic. Cool Probably worth a million dollars now. And you know, the new kids on the block basically own and Mark Wahlberg basically own hy V now. So I mean, you've got a piece of history. I did not know that. Everybody, you're going to learn new factoids today with your trivia, Jake. Yeah. There you go. That's C, that's A, B, C, or D. I just gave you the answer right out, though. That's rough of me. I love it. Here's a great question. And today I sat there and thought about, you know, if I was a DJ, what would my state of mind be? So can you describe what your state of mind is during a DJ set? Yeah, so um, it just depends on what you're doing, obviously. But if you're at a wedding, uh, your state of mind should be playing the music during the 
uh, later portion of the evening is actually one of the easier things that you do all day. It's making sure because as DJs, we're tasked with being kind of the event director in terms of the reception. Uh, so we need to make sure that things happen uh, when they're supposed to happen and go, go by a timeline and things. And the most stressful part of the evening is actually pronouncing, uh, pronouncing the names and, and making sure that everybody, you know, you know, if you mess that up, then you really can't do anything right from the, uh, from that point on. So that's the most stressful part of the evening and then making sure things happen on a timely fashion and then actually playing the music and making sure that people have a great time. However, if you set yourself up for success and everything goes according to plan and you prep, uh, for the first portion of the evening, usually 90% of the time, the second portion of the evening, which is the dancing, goes over really great. What's the most requested song throughout the years? The number one, like, slow dance song at weddings is Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis. Not really requested. I mean, people request crazy stuff, you know, because there's things we're not going to play certain things. So here's a life hack for people that are listening to this. If you go to a wedding or a special event, and you walk up and ask something for like you really like, but it might be eclectic to everybody else or it might be polarized to everybody else. The DJ, if they're any good, is most likely going to say, we'll try to get that on for you, meaning there's no chance in hell that you're going to hear that song later on tonight. He's just trying to be nice and everything. I'm glad you said that because I know I've made requests back in the day and they said those words and I never heard the song. <laughs> well, they typically don't play too much new kids on the block at weddings. <laughs> <laughs> Of course they don't. Of course. We'll go from, you know, most requested to what's your favorite? Like, who are some of your favorite musicians and songs? Probably a favorite song of all time. See, I like ACDC, which you don't play ACDC for what I do for a living. I like a lot of songs that you don't that I don't play a lot. I know a lot of DJs that just listen to talk radio and podcasts and things like that because they can't stand to hear music when they're not working. But I really love music. Music is my life and it pretty much always has been. But uh, probably ACDC, How Would the Hell is my favorite song. Nice, nice music. I wasn't sure if you were a country fan or not. Yep. When you mentioned really Bonnie like Cash, I was like, I wonder if that's his fave. Really like country. So I really like, uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of most of the like, the brand new country stuff, but I really like 2000s and 80s and 90s country. So uh, the newer stuff is kind of, it's a little too uh, slick and gleamy and some of their rhyming. And so the same people write basically all the songs that come out of Nashville, unless it's an artist like Eric Church who writes some of their stuff. Chris Stapleton writes his stuff. Uh, Luke Combs writes his stuff. But other than that, a lot of the same people are writing the same songs. And so they get a little form formulaic. So you know, in the next couple of years, that'll switch over and I'm sure I'll like it. I just don't like the current stuff right now. Well, and it's so many people switch over. Just an example, Taylor Swift, you know, how someone can go from country to pop yeah. and it be played on both stations to me is just kind of odd. Well, she's interesting because when she was country, she wrote uh, mostly all of her stuff. And now she's pop. She really doesn't write any of her stuff. However, she still writes country songs for people. So that song like Better Man by uh, Little Big Town and stuff was written by her. And things like that. So she still does that stunt of stuff, but she doesn't really write her own stuff anymore. I like Taylor. T. Yeah. Swizzle, I think they call her. She puts a crunch on men, and I sometimes definitely feel <laughs> the same. <laughs> I met her when she was uh, like 15 or 16 years old. So, yeah, out at a conference in, in uh, Anaheim. So she was, I mean, she was nice then, but she had huge bodyguards around her. But, uh, yeah, she was cool. So cool. Taylor, if you uh, hear this episode, shoot us a like or a message. We weren't planning on bringing you up. And there New Kids go. on the Block, you can do a yeah. shout out to me. That would be amazing. There you go. Wahlburgers, baby. Shout out. 
Exactly. Yeah. Maybe I'll reach out to Jenny McCarthy and she'll kind of forward it on. With your business, BCP Live, Jake, are you growing into different areas? What's something new that's coming up? Well, actually, so we were, uh, my philosophy has always been, you know, invest, reinvest everything into the business. However, with 2020, the event business and the event industry, it was crazy. It was terrible. Um, so, I mean, now my deal is all just profit minded. So I'm not really like growing that much besides the trivia and the bingo, because that's a higher profit center and less effort on my end. I'm just going to say just out loud. It's just a streamlined, uh, formulaic way of making more money, however, from the business end of things. Uh, but uh, in terms of just expanding that. So we're going to expand into Omaha. And obviously the byproduct of that is, is a great evening for the people that play. So it's going to be a great evening of entertainment. And obviously the biggest byproduct of it is we have make more money, sell more food and beverage for our venue partners. Um, so that's one of the things people have a great time. We sell more food and beverage for them. It's a win-win situation all around. So Omaha and Council Bluffs, if you're listening to this, if you're in the market, we're going to be coming in in the next uh, couple months and uh, request us at your favorite watering hole and uh, we'll be there. Perfect. And I will share his social uh, media platforms in the show notes. So check them out, check out their sites, like them there on Facebook. And Jake's always great to work with. So if you're ever hosting a big event or platform, reach out and see if they can help first. And if he can't help you, I'm sure someone else can. I can say that from working with him prior. Yes, ma'am. We can uh, set you up with the right people if we're not the right people for the job. We're going back. That was the year I graduated high school to 2002. Yep. So we're going far back. And I guarantee you weren't listening to Johnny Cash in 2002. You know what's funny? I wasn't, but I'm from a small town in Iowa. And you go to any of those small town bars, Ring of Fire was played multiple times a night. Yeah. Ring of Fire, Jackson, that, that sort of stuff, especially if it's karaoke bar. People love singing Jackson and things. And I don't sing. So... No worries there. <laughs> uh, but my brother would say back in the day, you might find this funny. Uh, you know, the old talk boys. Yeah. The talk ones. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows what that is unless they're our age or older. Yeah. Probably. Home alone, man. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I would sing on that and my brother would always interrupt. I was singing Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston and all that. And then we'd have to start over and get so mad because you can record it to a point. And if they interrupt, you have to start over. So that was like a game. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. My buddy Richie had uh, had a, a talkman or a talkboy or what have you, and he used to we used to do funny things with him and his stepdad and things. So catch him off guard and you know stop and record where in, in an opportune time for him. So divine timing, everybody watch Home Alone. That's got to be twenty years running too. With the holidays, I know that a lot of people like to watch that, so I might actually turn it on soon. Yeah, I think thirty something like that. Wow, I'm old. Holy cow. Time keeps going. <laughs> exactly. It just keeps going faster, I swear. So with the Hurt uh, video, I, it will be in the show notes. And I did watch the Nine Inch Nails version as well. Yeah. Johnny Cash, to me personally, killed it compared to Nine Inch Nails. Well, uh, a guy named, uh, the lead singer and leader of Nine Inch Nails named Trent Reznor wrote the song. And then he, uh, after he heard Johnny Cash and saw the video, I think it was after he saw the video, he said, well, that's not my song anymore. That's Johnny's song. It was one of the last, uh, I think it was the last video that Johnny ever put out and he died a few months later. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was shot near Nashville at yep. his then house of the Cash Museum. 
I did see that. And I don't know from a factoids, if you knew this, that Cash and his wife, June Carter Cash, both obviously appeared in the music video, but passed away in 2003. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. And then the house they shot it in. So the House of Cash Museum was right by their house. And the house they shot it in was bought by uh, Barry Gibb of the Bee Gees and then burned down right afterwards. So the house burned down. I was going to mention that if you knew it, that it burnt down, that is so wild. Yeah. Because what did it turn to? Dirt. Then, like he brings up in the music video. That's right. Wild. So just so everyone's aware, the original version of the Nine Inch Nail song was in 1995. So it was a seven year differential for those that are into the woo woo. Look at the numerology of the seven. That's all I'm going to throw out there with that. I'm not going to go too woo woo with you, Jake. Yeah. But um, what were the things that stood out most to you with the music video? Um, So uh, the imagery was the thing that most stood out. So uh, you know, Johnny's an old, uh, older guy. He's nearing the end of his life and he's looking back on his life. And of course, he's a very profound uh, believer in Jesus. And so there's Jesus imagery in there and, and religious imagery in there. And there's also, I think, probably regret on how he uh, lived some of his life and some of the addictions and things that he had. It's not necessarily the same as the kind of the voice of the original song is a little bit different because it's more about heroin addiction. Johnny's is just about, you know, kind of just his overall life that he lived. I didn't know until I did a little research that he developed for a little while a drug addiction. Uh, yeah, for much of his life. So he was addicted to alcohol and amphetamines and pills and all sorts of stuff. So at different points of his life, he was very, fairly addicted. So one of my favorite movies is Walk the Line. So that kind of depicts that a little bit in there, if you've ever seen that movie. I haven't. It's something I'll have to watch. I go back and watch old school Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. So the things that stood out to me, I guess... And I wrote these down because I like to go through the video and just see what stands out to see what kind of message they were relaying. So here was my list. The close to the public sign on the museum. Then we got the train. And I feel like in a spiritual awakening, any of the music video, you're always going to see a train come in at some point. Jesus stood out. Obviously, you made reference to that. The cracked platinum record. What do you feel was the purpose of that? So I think that like a lot of people that are in the entertainment business, I think that Johnny was really big and really hot during the fifties and sixties. And then I think he dramatic, his career dramatically cooled down the seventies, eighties and nineties. And it wasn't cool to be Johnny cash anymore. And I don't think it was cool to be Johnny cash until that video came out and the movie came out right after he passed away. So I think that's kind of what that was. I think that he'd resorted to, uh, I read a couple books on him and, you know, he went through what a lot of people in the business go through. He went through money problems. He went through uh, image problems. He went through, like I said, not cool to be Johnny Cash anymore. So I think that's kind of what the uh, broken uh, record and the sign closed meant that, that nobody really wanted to go to a Johnny Cash museum at that point in time. Makes sense. And then obviously I saw him eating there. One of the things that stood out that really bothered me actually during the music video, because I'll tell you, it gave a ton of different emotions was when he was pouring the wine all out of his cup. Yep. I think that's uh, the imagery in that. I don't know what you got out of it. And I'll ask you here in a second, but I think that uh, he, at that point, he'd given pretty much all that he had to give. And I think that was the sacrifice of him spilling his blood all over uh, everything for everybody. So I think that was uh, his cup. He was uh, nearing the end of his life and he was, he emptied all of his cup. That's what I thought. But what do you think about it? 
I really felt because he kept putting a religious spin on it with Jesus, you know, on the cross that he knew he was going to be going. He knew. So he had given everything that he had and he was basically just giving away like the food. There was no one there to enjoy it with him. So he was kind of not giving up, but giving up all in the same. I feel like when he dumped it, maybe it was also kind of, it didn't get him anywhere, the drinking, the drugs. And so he was just kind of letting it go. Yeah. It could be a big, uh, big purge. Really? I mean, if you uh, remember binging and purging, so it could be that from back, 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 back in the day. So it could be a binging and purging. I think that it's just, you know, I think that food, the massive amount of food represented a feast that his life was so full and that he gave everything away. And I think it also plays to Johnny's past that he wasn't present fully for everyone back in the day and didn't realize the significance because he was so focused on fame, fortune and all his life and time got away from him. And at the end, it was just himself alone with all of his luxuries. I think you're missing a key point in the fact of uh, he also had June, which is if you've ever seen Walk the Line and ever read any books about it or anything like that, it's one of the greatest love stories like ever was because he was married in things before and chased after June and, and uh, they had a long, long, long courtship and she wouldn't marry him, wouldn't marry him, wouldn't marry him. Finally, she got tired of masking and said, yes, but they were together uh, for their whole entire, you know, the rest of their lives. And then they died within a couple months of each other, uh, you know, at the end. So they were inseparable and she's, you know, standing right by him uh, through the, uh, through the last part of the uh, video. That's beautiful. If only we all could have that kind of love. Right. Now, Johnny Cash, had you heard that he had the nickname of being the man in black? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what he wore the black for? I don't. And in the music video, he was wearing it. I did see that. Yeah. So he wore the black for the poor and the drowned and the downtrodden and the Native Americans. So that's why he wore all the black. So that's why he was the man in black. He was for the everyman. Did not know that. I'm part Native American, so that's pretty cool. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, what like one of the things, it, like I said, in the 80s and 90s and most part of the 70s, it wasn't cool to be Johnny Cash, but oh, <laughs> Johnny Cash was one of the coolest motherfuckers that ever lived. I'll just come out and say it. He was. He was rock and roll with Elvis. He was country uh, with Elvis back in the 50s and Carl Perkins and those guys and Jerry Lee Lewis. And then he switched into country music and he was a, basically an outlaw country person. He was a cool motherfucker. That's awesome. Because when I, when I was reading about him, they did say he was a rebel because yeah. he was one of the original rock and roll rebels. So that stood out to me because he obviously was with Elvis and we all know right. Elvis was a legend in rock and roll, but I only thought Johnny Cash was country. No, he was uh, like a Folsom prison blues and stuff like that were rockabilly and rock and roll, like at the beginning. And that gave him that uh, outlaw image. Then that all makes sense. Putting it together. Right. And then he formed, uh, when he went into country music, he was an outlaw and formed the Highwaymen with uh, Willie Nelson and uh, Chris Christopherson and uh, Waylon Jennings. So they had a group in the 80s and early 90s called the Highwaymen, which was really cool. So check them out sometime. Will do. I think this song really did a good job of showing the power of music, though. I wasn't expecting the emotional pull during the song. It made so many different emotions. Uh, Did you cry at the end? I did not cry, which surprised me. You're close to it, though, weren't you? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. know Most what? I felt it in it. my chest. Yeah. Most people would see it like the first time are like, Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't expecting that. Right. And I, and it, I still feel it in my chest because I watched it right before we got on today. And I was just like, what in the world? It's so emotional. And I don't know musically if you caught this, but the music gets louder and louder and louder at the end. Like more intense. I did not recognize yeah. that. That would make sense because I had it yeah. pretty loud. But I feel like it really got you into the story because it shares different pieces of his life. Like his joys, his sor- sorrows and pain. Oh, yeah. Yep, it was good. I, th- I like to read lyrics after I watch the music video to see how I can put them all together. So the part where he says, and you could have it all, my empire of dirt. Yeah. So now I like to go into the lyrics after I watch the music video to see what they are kind of co- trying to connect. And the lyrics that stood out significantly for myself was, and you can have it all, my empire of dirt. And I really felt that was Johnny Cash's fame, meaning nothing. And that he's just like all the rest of us facing the same things, whether that's old age, depression, death. And he's letting everybody kind of know that they could have all of what he had, his talent, wealth, popularity. But in the end, it's not going to mean anything because he was empty still and by himself. In the end, he, he chased all of his life for that. But then when he get close to death, he realized, hey, uh, this really doesn't mean uh, anything where I'm going. You know, that's why they don't have luggage racks on hearses. <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah. So a lot of the clips that you saw were from he was in a lot of movies and things like that in like the 70s and 80s. And I think he made one about like the life of Christ and things. So a lot of that stuff that you see is from that. So, I mean, he was like he went through periods of life where he was like deeply, deeply, deeply religious. Uh, and I think that's kind of he's got a like interesting yin and yang where he's, uh, you know, taking amphetamines and things like that and going off the rails on one part of his life. And then one part of his life that he's, you know, deeply, deeply devout. And I think a lot of people that have really strong addictions, I think, go through that sort of thing where, you know, they're newly clean and newly sober. And that's all they want to talk about. And they want to talk about God and everything like that. And then they relapse and go back to that old life. So I think that Johnny's no different from anybody else when it comes to that sort of thing so i think that that's a lot of that video is just the yin and the yang of what makes johnny cash johnny cash and you're bringing up the yin and the yang so i'm taoist so i like to have the balance and i talk about yin and yang a lot so it's kind of funny that you bring this up yeah Mm -hmm. about duality right another part that stood out to me lyrically was about his reference to drugs and the illusion of addiction that people can think it to be used to avoid or cope with reality and I'll tell you right now Jake I'm hearing more and more about people with mental health issues with you know COVID and you know all the being at home and whatnot and people can think that the substance is going to find relief from the problems, but it doesn't solve it. And I think this song really needs to come out more so people can see it. So I'm really glad that we're doing this today. So right. maybe people will take, you know, a closer look. I think it's uh, like on my end of things, I think it's a double-edged sword because uh, number one, I think that I've been to a lot of karaoke bars and I think that it glamorizes like addiction to a certain point. 
So I don't know if necessarily that is, but maybe a little education, because a lot of times when you actually every single part of the time, if you know somebody that's been an addict or whatever, there is uh, some sort of mental affliction or something going on, like 100% of the time, if somebody's an addict, there is something that's not right. So, I mean, if you use the opportunity to say, hey, here's a song and here's kind of regret at the end of your life because of these addictions, and here's, you know, who you can talk to and here's who you can, you know, uh, maybe help some of your our mental uh, afflictions. And that would, you know, maybe make it so you didn't have to go down this, uh, this road in life. So maybe use it as a cautionary tale and not really glamorize it. I think that's from my end of things. I think that'd be a little bit more helpful. But uh, like I said, I've been to a lot of karaoke bars where you can see a lot of people that are, you can tell hardcore alcoholics that are singing hurt. So, but with COVID definitely there's been a ramp up. Definitely. No doubt about it. So we know that they obviously left around the same time out of this existence and reality with the beautiful love story, how the video ends, Jake probably hit me the most when he closed the piano lid. Yeah. yeah Is that that's, the closure uh, on life? What do you feel that that symbolized? That's definitely the closure on this existence. I mean, uh, you know, he was not long for this plane and, and, and the atmosphere, but, uh, but yeah, he knew that that was closing the, the, book on life that was closing the uh the book on his career that was closing the book on everything it's he knew it was going to be the last time you know he ever you know probably made a music video and things and the funny thing is they played that on mtv i remember seeing that after i got home from school and everything on mtv like in the afternoon and stuff yeah it was on all the time on mtv and vh1 and all that sort of stuff when back when they played music videos but yeah it was on which was weird for a 70 some year old guy to be on mtv with a music video I didn't realize that. I guess I was graduating high school. You were out, you know, listening time. to new kids on the block. You know, <laughs> driving a good time. around in my, I'm thinking I had a Mercury Cougar back then. I was driving That's around right. that. What town were you from? Small town Preston. Oh yeah. Preston. Cause I, I remember that. Cause I used to live in Creston at one point. I was like, Creston, Preston. There's like a lot of Estons going on. Right. Too funny. Jake. I just loved having you on. I am excited to see your business continue to grow and the connections. I've, I loved working with you. Yeah. How many years has that been now? Probably uh, seven, seven or so, seven or eight years, something like that. It's been a while. Of course it has to be seven years. We said the nine inch nail song (laughs) to the Johnny Cash video was seven years. That's right. Synchronicities. Yeah. It's fate. It's uh, it's something. So yeah, it's uh, great to see you. Great to talk to you. Obviously, uh, for those who are listening, uh, we're kind of seeing each other on a Zoom call right now. But uh, but that'll be all uh, all fixed later on for your or for your listening pleasure. But uh, like I said, great to see you. Uh, great to hear from you. Great to talk to you today. You too, Jake. Everyone out there, if you have any questions for Jake, again, we'll be sharing his platforms uh, below in the show notes. We greatly appreciate you joining in. Would love to hear your feedback and sending out light and love to everyone until the next time. God bless and stay well. Cheers. If you've enjoyed spending time with me today, I'd love it if you'd subscribe to my podcast. You'll find links in the show notes to items discussed during the podcast. Check out the Try A New Frequency website for my top daily music video. I love hearing from all of you. Feel free to send me an email to tryanewfrequency at gmail.com. I'm sending you all love and light until the next time.